welcome to part two of the Reverse Ambition podcast episode featuring Lawrence Kazmier. Lawrence continues to share her journey through the lucrative dog walk-in industry in NYC and when she realized she had to make a pivot. She also shared how she's able to negotiate and get what she's worth. It's an amazing listen, an entertaining listen, and an educational listen. So, enjoy. The owner of Biscuits, who is a multimillionaire, and I can share his name with you later, the how he started the business was he himself was a struggling actor mm. who who was a dog walker on the side, which I'm sure we know a lot of dog walkers. Yeah. But he was a struggling actor who was a dog walker. When I went in for my interviews, what he told me, he was like, I was a struggling actor. I had my whole, you know, acting situation going on. But on the side to earn money, I was a dog walker. And he's like, I just love dogs so much. I started seeing all these people that I was working with in their homes and their situations. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to put my money here and I'm going to open a store. And so that's how that story started wow. with, with him in that location. I just thought you were a dog walker. And in, in just side research, dog walkers in New York city, if they do it full time can earn upwards of six figures. Wow. So it's, it's, it's not upwards it's of very six lucrative. Like, but, but, buck 15, buck 20, because of, say, the amount of dogs that they're walking and how much they're having clients pay for each dog per walk. Mm. So it's a very fruitful and can be a rewarding career if you do it right and if you do make it like an official. It, it could be a very rewarding side hustle, mm. put it that way. Um, so, yeah, so that was HR. And then so with, with Spot, um, it was an amazing experience. Um, and what happened was we basically because when you buy locations and you don't ensure that the infrastructures are perfect, you start to bleed money and you start to bleed a whole mm. lot of money to fix things that you should have fixed um, before you purchased. Mm. And so that's what happened. We basically over overextended ourselves financially, um, renovating and employees and, and putting that program in and this program and doing that. And it became financially taxing um, for, for, you know, some of the, the, the people that had more money uh, invested in it. And so we, sold the company um to the AKC. What, twenty eighteen? So, it was twenty eighteen? Yes. Okay. Twenty eighteen. Um and so since then um I have been focusing on my HR. So I have a, a good amount of clients where I do and mostly startups where I handle all what of the What kind of startup HR companies do you uh, work with? Um tech companies, fashion companies um, a lot of tech companies, ironically enough, um, and I think just because I started relationships with certain people and they referred me to other people. Mm. Um, and now I have a very nice book of um, people that own restaurants. Uh, restaurant owners are, are, to me, they're kind of similar to my world in the dog care industry where there's kind of a lot of shady business going on in the restaurant world. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they all kind of sometimes can operate under the radar a little bit and think that they cannot do certain things, Mm. um, because there are so many of them. So it takes a lot of time, um, in New York city to really catch someone who's doing something that they're not supposed to be doing in the restaurant world as it relates to employees. Mm -hmm. And as it relates to employees, employees sometimes get very fearful, about um, calling out, you know, their bosses and calling out companies um, related to things that they're doing wrong to them. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a long time before an employee is like, yeah, I'm going to go to the Department of Labor and I'm going to, you know, let them know what you're doing to me. Um, and so a lot of the restaurants that I work with are in that situation. They've officially like been hit with, you know, various um, Department of Labor um, claims. And now they're like, crap, we need to call someone like this. Right. And that's what you do. Um, You kind of help these people out of these, these restaurants out of that bind. Yes. So whatever bind they're getting into, um, whether it's, you know, they need to do sexual harassment classes or they need to do, you know, various, um, you know, disability classes um, because they have gotten fines. um, I specialize in basically going in to clean up um, what they're being hit with and to kind of turn them around. Um, And it's been super fun. I really enjoy it. Um, I'm 
comfortable basically talking to anyone um, related to what you need to do and what you shouldn't be doing in this particular field. Um, and so it's been really great. How do you determine, um, you know, what to charge these people or these different, you know, companies you work um, with? Do you have like a yeah, scale? I mean, so, yeah, with, with, um, with my HR background, um, I used to do a lot of comp analysis, you know, like mm. when a company is like, oh, how much should we pay this person? You know, you do like your comp research and you're like, okay, well, this, this field with this background and this, you know, level of education should earn X. So that I, I know that very well um, in the HR consultant because I look at other companies. I'm like, well, this company is okay. a huge consulting firm. So you know your value. You know what you know yeah. the value you bring, and you know yeah. what you should be earning. So you do it accordingly. Oh yeah, definitely. What um, happens I'm if they probably, give you pushback? I'm a very good negotiator. Um, and I'm very comfortable saying it. Um, I'm a very, very good negotiator. I'm good at having conversations with money. I don't really, you know, sometimes you hear about women not being able to negotiate and have conversations with money with people. My original, all of my bosses have been white men. Mm. And I believe that that education of having to deal with white men and their ability to have no issues and asking for what they want when they want it mm -hmm. has rubbed off on me tremendously. Mm. So I do not. And with some of my companies, like with Biscuits, for example, um, I had to do a lot of negotiation with vendors for, for various things. Mm -hmm. So what would happen is I would negotiate. I would bring it back to my boss and say, all right, here is when I negotiate it. Not good enough. Go back and ask them for this. Wow. Well, no, no, no. She said this was it. No, no, it's never it. Go wow. back and tell her you want it this way, and this is what you need, and say it like that. No, no, but I, I did. I tried like 10 times. I'm telling you, she's not going to lower it. No, go back and do it like that. I had years of go back and do it like that, mm. <laughs> and years of, no, Lawrence, that's not good enough. I promise you, tell her you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and you're not going to do business, and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, my God. That is so invaluable so because a lot of us of – don't know our work. Aren't comfortable but, with that. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and we don't know how to ask. And we don't now. whether it's be professional, whether it be in you know, corporate America, or whether it be as a business, they don't know how to like. No, this is what I'm worth, and this is, you know, this is what I, I'm gonna get. I tell every single girlfriend now, even my present boyfriend who is doing amazing as an attorney, I'm like, dude, you have to get the money's worth for your intellectual capital. Mm. Um, there are some industries that have physical capital, um, that have physical items, but there are other companies that have intellectual capital. And this is what your intellectual capital has to be worth. And this is how you have to ask for it. Now there's training that comes with that where you can't be a bully, you know, and you have to have your, everyone has their own way of doing it, you know, how they ask for money. But I would I hope that over the years of having to have the conversations that you kind of you figure out your own sweat you figure right. out your own little okay right. you know what this is how I'm gonna do it you know I got a little pushback but this is how I'm gonna do it and you don't have to be a bully you don't have to be a bitch you don't have to be rude but you know you you you, you learn your way to do it and so I've really kind of learned my way over the years um but what anyone who deals with me with money Whatever number you put in front of me is never the final number unless I really am like, okay, fine. <laughs> you right. got me. This is the final number. You'll never just get a yes on your final on your number from me. Um, I will always ask for more. Right. Um, I always ask for more. And if you, you that's, that's invaluable, especially being an entrepreneur. You know, that's invaluable yeah, because but, also but, it's, a, it's, a, it's you teaching your clients what you're worth, you know? Right, exactly. And what I, what I think the most important thing that I, that I want to teach people about this is the worst that can happen to you is a no. Mm. No. Right. Sorry, not right now, Lawrence. Not right now. I can't do it. Sorry, so-and-so. Not right now. You're not, they're not going to give you the COVID, maybe, but they're not going to, like, you know, like, stab you in the eye until you get the hell out of my door. I can't right. believe you're asking me for this. Get the hell out of here. That's not going to happen. That's not the stream of conversation. Right. The stream of conversation is going to be, I'm sorry, we're really sorry. We really can't do it. No, this is how much we're, you know, we're supposed to, we're supposed to give. This is how much. I'm sorry. If anything, they feel bad. Right, right. <laughs> they feel bad. They don't, they're not going to pull out the gun and stab you. They're not going to, you know you know, troll you on the gram, they're going to say no. Right. And they're going to say, okay, no problem. I understand. Um, and I get a lot of no's. I get a no, Lauren, sorry. This is how much we're supposed to pay. This is what we're supposed to do. But 
if there's ever a number that comes across my email, my next email is, okay, that's great, but do you think they can do this? Right. And it's always, do you think that's possible? And it's not a, it doesn't come in a, no, no, I want that. It comes in a, oh, but is this possible? Can right. you do this? It's, right. it's a question. It's not a demand. Um, and you have to know when it's a demand and when it's just like a peaceful question. I'm just asking. Oh, it's right. cool, no problem. Right. Okay. I respect it. Thank you. Thanks for letting me know. I'll take what you're offering. Right. Um, but yeah, so I've, um, I've learned how to do that very well. Um, and I think because of that, I've earned excess of probably what I maybe didn't deserve or, you know, didn't, um, am not qualified for, but because I'm so used to asking for it. Um, and because as an HR person, um, I, I kind of, I know the number that a company puts in front of an employee, mm. they can always do more, right. but that's the number that the team has decided that we're going to put on the table. But there's always that we, we can do more. We can do 10% more. We can do 15% more, but we're not going to offer that. We're going to offer this and they're going to take that. Right. Um, and so I think because I've had that experience and that training and I've had to be the one putting all these offers on the table to people when I'm hiring them and then going back and saying, well, this person was earning X at their last position. We're going to pay this now. Yeah. yeah pay, offer that. See what happens. Right. And it's always an offer that. See what happens. Right. Um, right. So, okay. You had an interesting journey. In terms of how you became <laughs> yeah. an entrepreneur, so the, you... last, the the last couple months I've been um and and so this is how I also like to tell people that sometimes you're having conversations with people and you're talking about aspects of your life and then it's like oh really you do that I'm looking for that and that's what happened this summer where I was randomly having um I was randomly having brunch. And um, I was in a restaurant, and I struck up a conversation um, with the owner of a restaurant in the packing district, um, and just doing my thing, just talking and, you know, talking about things. And it was a funny conversation where his restaurant was extremely run down. And, you know, he said, here, you, you guys should have, have dinner in my restaurant. I, you know, it was like I'm leaving to meet friends. Um, and he's like, no, I have a full-blown restaurant. Eat here. I said, no, 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 we're, we're going here. Um, and the other place was much nicer, much mm-hmm. nicer, much better, much newer. Um, and it was around the corner from his restaurant. And he's like, I don't understand. Why won't what's, I'm offering you basically free food. Um, and I said, yeah, I know. But, yeah, your place, it's just. Mm-mm. You kept it 100. Yeah, it's it's not up to par. My friend won't like this. And, you know, we ended up exchanging numbers because we were talking about, you know, the the stuff that I do with restaurants in terms of employees and hiring and all that stuff. Um, and so he's like, let's have a meeting to talk about that aspect of your, your what you can do for me because I, I do need help. He was building another restaurant. And so the conversation changed to he was so offended by the fact that I didn't want to eat in his restaurant and eat free food. He's like, so tell me the truth. Why didn't you want to eat in the restaurant? And so if you give me the right to be like blunt and honest and outgoing, I'm like, well, here it is. Um, And he said, you know, well, do you know anybody that could uh, renovate it for me? I want to spend the money and do this because I don't want to, I don't want to lose people like you to the restaurant around the corner. And he's like, you know, I have been thinking about it for quite some time. And to be honest with you, we just took you like this pretty girl to be in my face turning down my free food in my <laughs> restaurant to go eat around the corner to kind of slap me in my face. Uh-huh. So, do you know, anyone that could sit down and put a plan together and renovate. And I know a lot of construction people, but my next sentence was, yeah, I could do that for you. Wow. <laughs> like I could do it, um, which I can do it. And I could do it. I've built a ton of stores in New York city. I've, I know all the codes. I know everything. I was like, I could do it. Right. Right. <laughs> and, so he's like, you? I was like, yeah, I can do it. He's like, all right, put together a plan. So I put together a plan, went, had a meeting, and next thing you know, I, I spent um, all of last summer renovating and halfway building um, two restaurants, one in the packing district and one in Westport. Wow, just like that. That com- just, just like that. And that conversation led to another conversation with a, with a friend of mine um, who – saw something that I posted on my Instagram page and said, Oh, what do you, you do things with restaurants? 
I, I said, well, yeah, right now I'm just, I'm renovating this place. And he's like, oh, I'd love to show you this new store that I just, I just took over in Brooklyn. I just signed the lease and I don't know where to start. You know, wow. he's a party promoter and he's not a restaurant person. He's like, I just got it, but I'm never here in New York City. And I, I, I maybe I show it to you and then you can help me find some people. So that conversation went from a, I'll show it to you to a contract signing nice. to I'll I'll do it I'll I'll build it. There's so many lessons you. that you, um, you by telling your story that I'm getting from how do you build you know your name how you build a brand how do you get new business how do you negotiate There's so many lessons that I'm picking up from just hearing your yeah. your journey. Yeah, I think it's been a very long one, but it's been a long one where I have felt like. You know, it's just me. I have no other option. I have to get this done. Um, there are things that I, I wanted in life, and so I have to get those things. And so the way that I have to do it is by working all these different, you know, avenues and positions that have been put in my lap and hitting the ground running with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm super outgoing. I'm not a shy person. And I like to listen to people and see what they need. And I like to be able to, once I hear a need, which is my problem, it's like, oh, I know someone that can help you. Me. <laughs> I know someone that can give you that. Or, oh, you you need a hairstyle? I got you. You're looking for this? I have you. So I'm, I'm very much, a, you know, once I hear, and I think this definitely comes from my HR life of like kind of being the mother in all of these, you know, mm-hmm. locations. It's once I hear that, Oh, I, I need this. I'm looking for this. I'm not happy with this. I need this person. Oh, I know somebody. I got you. I'm right. Here, you here just it put a, And you just and put so a price I, to it. Exactly. And so if it's something that's dealing with me, um, then you put a price to it. Um, and that, that comes, you know, a lot of there have. And I've also had to learn as a woman that kind of puts herself out there as like sometimes a pretty woman and sometimes a woman that, you know, likes to dress a certain way that I've, I've, I've entered the world of, Oh, this person may want to have a meeting with you because they may want to sleep with you or they may want to take you on a date. So they're How hiding you deal with that? And you, Oh, let's have a meeting. Um, I've, I've learned to, I don't mix, mix business with pleasure. Um, I've never dated anyone that, has approached me in the world of, hey, I'd like to have a meeting with you about such and such. Um, Because when I walk into that meeting, I'm thinking of ways to get you to sign whatever contract I need you to sign so we can work together. And years ago, it would take me maybe an hour or two to kind of really decipher, like, is this this a real meeting? Mm -hmm. Or is this person just talking to me about regular stuff? And when are we going to talk about the meeting? Nowadays, you won't even get me in that restaurant until we've until I've officially felt comfortable that you really do have a real project. Right. Like I've asked my questions and I really feel like, okay, there's a store. I know the address. There is really something happening here. Um, But the the uh, the. Oh, I'm thinking about something. (laughs) I mean, and and that's what a lot of female entrepreneurs have to deal with, you know. You yeah. know, in terms of getting yeah. your business is are you trying to do business with me or are you trying to sleep with me yeah. and that's something oh absolutely you know. and it's 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 hardcore for me now especially because I am in a relationship mm-hmm. so you know if I tell my partner hey I'm going to have a meeting with Michael at this restaurant there's a lot of trust there it's like okay who the hell is Michael right. are you going to meet him at a restaurant and you know these guys and are chauvinists so, too they're going to like throw their money around and try to impress you oh, in so many different sure. ways it's like meet me at this restaurant pay for these drinks pay for this pay for that and I think for for me I've had a really decent life where I've gotten the opportunity to do a lot of traveling on a cheap end on an expensive end so there's not you can't throw a Rolex at me right now and think that that's going to be the way to hit it. Um, It's nice, but I'm thinking about five Rolexes. And so how am I going to get that? Right. So how am I going to get that (laughs) from this project that we're working? Oh, thanks for this one. I really appreciated this one, but I'm actually here for five. (laughs) So how are we going to get to that conversation? So Um, And so women, yes. You don't sound like a struggling entrepreneur at all. You've never been a struggling entrepreneur. Um, Am I right in saying um, that? 
I think it, I think it depends on on the year. There are some years where I definitely have not hit my numbers at all, um, and I've had to you know poach money from the savings, and maybe you know I couldn't take a particular trip that I I wanted to take. Um, I have three younger sisters that are always looking for some kind of help. I have family members, so so you support your family members that. as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, And it's, you know, taking care of my sisters if they need a little help. Um, It was harder years ago because they are younger. So they were in the young stages of life where they didn't have jobs. Um, But now, you know, all my sisters are working. They've got their own places. So it's a little better. Um, But years ago when I started, you know, the the spots at the biscuits, it was a constant phone call of, hey, this person needs that. This person needs this. Um, So I don't think I'm. I, right now in the struggling phase, but I know that I am definitely in the aggressive growth phase. Right. And so, you know, something like a Corona isn't going to put me out, but it's definitely slowing down um, projects that I thought that I could get started if I had certain monies and things coming in that I've now lost because of these, you know, two months or three months that we're going to be out. Mm-hmm. And then when we do get out of this Corona situation, people are definitely not going to be super like, you know, trigger happy. Right. It's going to take a couple of months before people feel comfortable regaining right. some of those projects that we were talking about. So, you know, it's definitely. So you're in a, a, you're in a position like to a weather this whole situation. Yeah, I'm definitely in a position to weather it for a couple months. Right. Now, so, Lawrence, what about you that make you so successful at what you do? What skill set that you identify that um, going out on your own, negotiating your own own deals, identifying um, what's a legit opportunity from versus what's not? um, What makes you able to do that? What makes you fearless? What is what skill set have you identified that enabled you to kind of persevere and not only persevere, somewhat strive where you're taking care of others? I think it's my ability to communicate with people, um, which is also why if you drop me in a country right now by myself, I'd be fine. Um, because I really don't have a fear in speaking to people. Mm. And it doesn't matter the level that they're at, whether it's, you know, a mayor or whether it's a homeless person, whether it's an exec or whether it's a waitress. Um, I really don't care what level that person is at. I care about what I'm talking to them about at that second, and I have to be present and genuine, and I try very hard to be present and genuine in the conversations that I'm having right that second. Mm. And I try to tailor what I want out of that person based on what we're, what we're talking about. Um, Mm. And when I can feel the conversation, I've learned how to tell when the the conversations are changing, um, whether it's their tone, whether it's, you know, if we're talking about money and something is, is switching or if it's switching to, you know, a depressing tone and unhappy tone or whether it's switching. So you learn how to read people. I definitely have learned. I've taken a lot of classes on it, um, on how to really read people and listen. Mm. Um, And I think that's one of the important things when you're having meetings, especially as an entrepreneur, people will let you know within the first 10 minutes if they, if this is a a valuable thing that you guys are having a conversation with, like literally in the first 10 minutes, like, wow, that's expensive. I don't think I can afford that. And then you'll continue talking, but you didn't pick up on the fact that they're already coming from a place of, excuse me, that they're already coming from a place of, I don't think that's going to work. Or, you know, you're talking to someone like, that's going to be great. I can't wait to get started. And then you start talking. Like, people miss, I think, a lot of uh, cues Cues. that... Especially in New York. A lot of of people in New York are fake it till you make it. So how do you deal with that? (laughs) Because it's... There are things that are tangible. Mm. And we we have tangible needs from certain people and so for me i i am in a place where i have i have to have i have tangible needs if you're asking me to do hr for you that means you have humans that means that you may have a store that means that you may have a restaurant that means that you have an office so for me it's different because i can actually see the physical 
what what you have physically very quickly because right. the work that I do, I need people to do it. I need your staff member. I need your your restaurant right. to do it. So tomorrow we we met on Monday, but on Tuesday I will go see if you have a restaurant. Or on Wednesday we can't have two weeks of a conversation about something that I've never seen because I have to. My work is very tangible. I have to physically be there to see what you have so that I can work with it. I think other people that. You know, I think a lot of it can be tangible. I just right. think that people How do, do you not see, ask the right question. Right. How do you see if they have it to pay you? Pay you? Because <laughs> some people are like, they may have all those things. But if, they they, if they have a what? Say it again. If they have the resources to pay you. And, you know, to. Oh, that you're not going to know until you ask the question of, wow, I'm so excited that we're going to be working on this, um, and I'm happy that you want to use me, but this is what it costs to use me. You're not going to know that depending on how fast you feel like putting the money on the table. Mm. I've met some women, the money question on the table, I've met some women over the last couple months um, that I reached out to for various things, PR, marketing work, um, and after our hour conversation, about 45 minutes in, they'll tell me, well, yeah, you know, my service usually costs about 3500 My service usually costs blah, 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 blah. I've met some people that are really good at, like, hitting you with it in this one conversation that we're having. And I've never even physically met them um, mm. because I find that depending on the time that you have to waste, you'll get really good about letting people know, okay, we have an hour conversation. And at the end of this hour conversation, I love you, girl or guy but you're going to know how much my services cost. And then now we're going to figure out what the next conversation is going to look like. Is it going to be, are you trying to get me down in my price conversation? Or is it going to be, I'll see you at the bar and wave and we're right, not going to do right. business. What about but people who just like, Oh, let's have a coffee. So this could pick your brain for free. I mean, have you ever had that? Um, yeah, I do have a lot of that, you know, and I've learned that, if you can schedule it in your time where it's not going to hurt you and the person is someone that you, I think, really like, care about, or have a connection with, I don't think it's a bad thing because if your intellectual capital is so strong, there's you could give somebody an hour's worth of information, but if it's information that's new to them, they're not really going to know how much to do with it unless mm. they come back to you with stuff or unless they then take that information to somebody else. Right. So I don't personally think it hurts to give about an hour of your time if you have it. Right. Now, I know people obviously that have consulting fees. It's like, listen, if you want to talk to me, it's going to be $200 because the information that they're giving me is so much that I can run with it to to do other things with it. I can I can take what they're giving me and use it to have conversations with other people. But the information is worth that much. So right. is your information worth that much that if I take what you're telling me, I am then so educated that I can then proceed with what I need to proceed. Right. Like for example, I had to hire um, some designers over the summer two of them immediately told me, hey, listen, it's going to be a consulting fee of 200 bucks. And I thought, huh, okay. I said, okay. And because when I looked at what they were bringing to the table, I mean, they came with like a full on, they came with spreadsheets. Nice, <laughs> they nice. They're and not they just coming out the everything. ass. They're just like, they... yeah, they're not just coming out the ass. They walked in, they walked in the door fully set up, but I could tell on my first couple conversations that I wasn't dealing with jokers. I could tell you have people have that feeling in their gut mm. when you're speaking to someone based on the information that they're giving you about a particular thing. If you're speaking to someone that's really knowledgeable, um, you know, like my boyfriend, for instance, he charges um, 250 for a consultation fee and I think $600 for um, an hour of work. Now, some people, and we've had this conversation where I'm like, you know, where he's like, people, people are like, no, sorry, we can't pay that. Um, and then they'll go to somebody else, get the wrong information, and then come back and say, mm. okay, you know what, let's do it. People know, like, we're not, a lot of us are not, you know, idiots. A lot of us know, and once we're given the information and we do a little bit of our own homework, um, it's not difficult to kind of 
feel it. You know, you know mm-hmm. when you're speaking to someone that you're like, no, you really don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, the ones that, that do, I hope they're doing pretty well because they're, they've mastered a skill. They, they themselves have mastered a skill of learning how to get over on people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so question, so. how many, based on your clients, how many percentages of or people of color, entrepreneurs of color, because I feel like we don't trust each other to do business with each other yep. enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. Know, do That's you sense true. that? Yep, I do. Um, I, I do. Yes, I do. Honestly, I really do. A lot of my, my clients, um, I'd say 90% are, are Caucasian, Asian, Spanish, you name it. Um, they are not really African-American. I find it to be very hard to sometimes try to get business or do business um, with African-Americans because I could put my two degrees on the table and they're still not going to trust me. Mm, <laughs> right. I, I could put my ownership documents from, you know, past businesses and they're still like, hey, I don't know. Right. I don't, do business. And I, I don't know what it is, honestly. I really feel like I want to take, I saw that actually NYU was offering a class on, um, how to do business in various races and things that you should know about, you know, um, that particular race, that culture. And I really want to take it because there are some cultures that I have not done, you know, business with or some communities, whether it's the Asian community um, or, you know, I think um, I've been trying to tap into the Russian community, but there are certain that there are certain little nuances and I, I, I it's really hard Um trying to sometimes do business in the African-American community. And I don't know what it is yet. And mm-hmm. honestly, as a black woman, that I think is one of the hardest networks mm. to penetrate. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, I, I meet some amazing African-American women and I'm like, this person does this, this person that does that, I'm going to connect you. But that's me. I'm a connector. So it's easy for me. You were a giver. But, you also seem like you were yeah, giver. Yeah. So it doesn't bother me to say, hey, let me connect you with Linda. She does blah, blah, blah. But I find that sometimes with me and getting that back, it's been a little hard. Mm. And I don't know if it's because maybe for certain African-American women, maybe I come across being a little bit too much. Mm. And so I think that's You're probably part intimidated. Of that you think imita- intimidation has a, I has think a factor? I so, because I know that I, I intimidate regular, you know, white men sometimes in the meeting because they're like, whoa, this chick is coming in with like full-on guns, like she's full-on, knows it, ready, boom, boom, boom. Right. And I think... I I find that sometimes maybe with certain African-American women that I've tried to do business with, maybe they're just like, whoa, she's too much. Right. (laughs) She's done too much. It's unfortunate because. She knows too much. Right. It's unfortunate because we collectively, in order for us to build wealth collectively, we're going to have to, there's a certain level of trust and reliance that we need to have. And it's so it's all unfortunate there's that there's not a level of trust um yeah it's it's something that. That, it's something i i noticed many many years ago um and i i take note of it because i have no problems reaching out to certain people and saying hey can you educate me on this can you tell me this mm. i i need some help with this i'm 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 not i don't get embarrassed by any of that stuff and i remember very early on in my career there are certain people that that are doing super well right now, if I mention them, so you're like, oh my God, I know that person. Then I would reach out to and say, hey, I'd love to, you know, talk about this and ask a couple questions. I'm trying to tap into this. And say, like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. We'll talk, we'll talk. Or yeah, yeah, I'll get to you. And it never happened. Mm. I never got the information that I requested. Fast forward now, 2020, 2019, 2018. It's like, hey, girl, can we talk? Can we reach right. out? I see you yeah, doing this. I, I see a- this happening. Right. I have a feeling I like think, it's what you could do for me now. And if they don't see that, they're not giving you the time of yeah, day. They don't invest yeah, absolutely, in absolutely. you. And I also think sometimes with our brown people, I think we get very um, starstruck. And I think, so what if someone has, I think some mindsets are, so what if they have two, three, four, five degrees, but have they been uh, but watch I post a photo with be nice about something and say, hey, I'm working with this person. Right. Like, oh, my God. Lauren's so cool. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, your email blowing up. important now. Right. Yeah. 
all of a sudden it's like, wow, she's cool. But, you know, if I put a picture of my degrees, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's nice. Whatever. So it would, be, it would be dope if we could just start together and grow together as opposed to I'm a, you see me with D nice or see me whatever, then all of a sudden I want to do business. And also that's when yeah, you, that's then, when then your I'm fee goes now. up. That's when yeah. your fee goes up. You can't yeah. afford me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I see it a lot with my with my own people and it's like, well yeah, this person's worked with you know, just to use D nice as an example because he's doing so well right now. But yeah, this person's worked with D nice and Diddy and this person and right. Diddy and they're awesome. But if you put that person next to the other person that doesn't have any photos with D nice to that person, but they have 10 or 15 of some of the most prominent and amazing companies in New York city under their resume, you, you probably go with the person that worked with D nice because you're like, you think that that person, right. That person, um, validity or, or makes them more important. Mm. And it's like, no, they've actually both done the same exact thing. It's just the different industries. And uh, some there, uh, there's a lot of work that some of us do where it doesn't get that kind of publicity, publicity. Like I've worked with a ton of people that they're not celebrities, but they are prominent in their field. Mm, (laughs) So, But you don't know them, but you, you're like, oh, let me Google them. I Googled them. I see what they do. They're interesting. That's right. cool. But it, it doesn't register to some people. Mm. Um, it it seems like, so you know, I, know. I feel like their mindset and their perception has to change, has to yeah. evolve. They need more exposure beyond, you know, the media, you know, the superficial um, yeah. and they need I more experience. We don't have to make, everything does not have to be sexy and shiny and posted mm. to know that I did it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot that I, that I do or that a lot of us do that we don't post and we don't make it look sexy right. on the gram. You know right. what I mean? Like right. there, but I may take one particular thing and make it look sexy and post it. Right. But I did six other things that I didn't post, but you're not right. going to know that unless right. you talk to me about it. And so it doesn't have to have this shiny, like, you know, gram filter to be, to be, um, you know, recognized as like, wow, you did that. It's like, no, I actually did 15 other more amazing things. Right. I just really didn't care to. Right. It's sometimes that's like your that's, you would post or. I was going to say sometimes that's like the least amount of money you made. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. you make more money with somebody you don't even know you worked with. So I, I, I feel yes, like our perception exactly. has to change in terms of who yep. do we identify as someone, you know, solid to do business with. Girl, yeah. you know we've been talking for an hour and a half. Uh, really? we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get, we didn't get, you didn't say you were long-winded. I, I told you I was long-winded. I'm telling you. I no, this is great, though. I love, I love the story. I told you. I can go on forever. I love, I love, I love your journey because it's, it's something that you kind of like organically happen. You didn't make a conscious decision to be an entrepreneur. I feel like life just you know, took you in that direction and you identify yeah. the opportunity and you just ran with it. Yeah. You know, as opposed yeah, to absolutely. I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to go for it, whatever. It seems like the opportunity to present it itself. And, you know, people become entrepreneurs from, you know, in many different ways. So, oh, um, yeah, absolutely. You have those people that did, you know, quit the quit working for the firms um, and are like, you know what, I saved up enough money and boom, I'm going to do it now. And that road is cool too. Um, but I think it's, you just you have to take the trip um, and you have to real I, I what I should say in closing is that I believe everyone has their breaking point when it comes to certain aspects of their life and so when you I find that sometimes entrepreneurs hit a certain breaking point whether it's with the nine to five or with you know a financial aspect of their life or not getting recognized for something mm-hmm. and like you know what F it boom I'm gonna become an entrepreneur today I'm gonna do it I'm gonna try um, Sometimes it's not planned out for a lot of people to become entrepreneurs because some of us will, you know, struggle financially for a very long time. And some of our businesses that we want to have this amazing entrepreneur journey, sometimes they're not viable Mm. for the times that we're, are not viable for the times that we're in. Um, You know, so it's, it's, um, it's realizing when and how to go back to the drawing board and say, you know what, 2020 wasn't my entrepreneur year, but you know what, I'm putting the plan for 2021 or 2022 and this business is going to be viable now. I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs potentially that had amazing ideas. Like I was looking at retail space 
to open up a, a fitness center um, with my sister that my goal was going to be to launch for the summer. Right. And obviously now that's not going to happen. Right. Um, and that plan has to be pushed back a lot of months um, and maybe even retailered because this whole situation that we're in now is going to change the climate of a lot of things for people, right. how we look at every, every time, you know, we have one of these, you know, we had the big boom in 2008 that changed something for a while. Right. When 9-11 happened, that changed something. So it's going back to the drawing board and as usual, looking at it, changing it around and always not giving up and trying plan B, plan B, plan E, plan F, right. um, well, but trying something else. This is a great conversation, um, especially this in, during this time, because I know People are getting laid off left and right. They're trying to figure out uh, what their next yeah. move. Um, yeah. I'm sure people are looking at, you know, trying to go out on their own. So just your journey alone, how organically <laughs> happened, you know, is a I think is a good, you know, story for people and yeah, an inspiration because I think these yeah. are, this is a question that these people uh, who are getting laid off and jobs yeah. no longer exist are going right. to have to face. Do I go back right. into the job market? Do I wait it out? Or do I go out on my own? So, right. I think people have to also understand their comfort level for things. Mm. Um, I come from a place of I have no issues eating ramen right now. Right. If I need to save and do what I need to do to figure out another project, I'm not the kind of person that will say, you know what, girl, you can't eat ramen. But I, I could also go to a five-star restaurant tomorrow and eat that. But if I can't afford it, I have no issue sitting around eating some ramen so that I can be ready for my plan and do what I need to do. And so I think when people think about entrepreneurship, sometimes they think, wow. I'm looking at this person on the ground, and they are traveling every week. Right. They work at Starbucks. They work. They have their laptop at Starbucks, and they're working from here. And it looks like such an amazing life because that's what I posted. <laughs> but right. you didn't see, you know, the fact that maybe I could only afford two coffees at Starbucks, or maybe you know I couldn't afford to pay for that trip, and maybe someone else did. You're not sometimes right. seeing all of the full inner workings, um, and I think that's what sometimes social media does for us. And you think, wow. I can do it because look at what this person's doing. Right. No, you need to call that person and have a full conversation with them right. because there may be things that you're missing. Right. Um, so you before know, you're saying that, before you yeah. do take that leave, find someone who's doing it and, you know, ask them the million one question, you know. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. It's, I don't really, I don't do a lot of things without reaching out to certain people in certain industries that I'm trying to, find out about or get into and ask questions and see what they're doing. Like mm -hmm. looking to open, say, a fitness center, I reached out to all my friends that I know that are in the fitness world. And although I could do my little market research and find out certain things, I am very big on firsthand experiences mm -hmm. and taking those and listening to that experience and listening to that advice and putting it together in my little pot and stirring it and then seeing what I get out of it. Right. Um, I think it's really important to reach out to people that have that intellectual capital that you're looking for, ask them questions, pay them if you can, um, and try to get that information from them. And it's okay. This person gives you 20 minutes worth of conversation. Find another person that will give you 30 minutes. Right. And then you put it in that pot, you stir it up, and you take what you can from it. Right. Um, but I think it's really, really important. I think it's great when we get to sit down with people um, and say, this is what I'm trying to do. What do you think? Right. The right person, obviously, with the background and the proper intellectual capital to help you, right. <laughs> you know. Um, but it has to be the right person because people are sometimes Debbie Downers and they will really, you know, stomp and kill on your dreams. So mm. I don't have conversations with people about my projects that do not fit the intellectual capital that I'm looking for. Mm. I'm personally not one of those girls that's like, girl, this is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I'm not right. one of those people. I do that with the person who really has that intellectual capital. That's like, if I say, girl, I need some help, they're going to give me some real serious so knowledge and food for thought. How do you find these people to pick their brains and, you know, asking for these people who will be looking to start their own business? How do you, what's, what do you recommend 
Um, Honestly, I think it's the same thing with like finding love. Like you're not going to find it from your home, especially if you're not, you know, looking to go on Mm -hmm. eHarmony. So you really have to network. Um, I think that's a really important big deal. Every time I'm, I'm looking to get into a particular field or tap into something, I try to network in that particular environment. So Mm -hmm. for example, I was thinking about um, doing the fitness studio um, for the summer. I started hanging out with a lot more of my fitness friends Mm. and going to more of their things and more of their classes. Um, And it's, hey, come to this class and you'll meet this person. So for a couple of months, you're going to be investing a lot of footwork, um, trying to network and spend time with people. And some people have great networks, you know, where maybe I can call you and say, hey, I'm looking for someone that does this. You know, anyone that I can talk to. And it's, yeah, I can send you five people. No problem. Um, and some people don't, so you have to get on the web and do a little Google search and, you know, find a meetup group for X. Um, but the beauty about, you know, the world that we live in right now, you can find every single thing that you're looking for. Mm. Um, if you put your, your feeler out there, there's nothing right now that we as humans need to look for that we couldn't do a little legwork to try to find it. Um, And you'll find it at all different pocket levels. Yeah, you have to do your homework level. You'll find it at, you know, the person who's like, well, it's a $500 consulting fee. And then you'll find it at the person who says, it's a $50 consulting fee. And then you'll find the free person. So you see which one you can afford and which one you can get in contact with. And you try to take what you can from that person. You put it in the pot and you see what comes out of it. Um, But you definitely have to do your research. Um, And I I don't really like speaking to kind of friends and family about certain projects if they don't fit the intellectual capital that I'm looking for. Because Mm. what that does, it creates a fog in your head of too much um, useless and useless information. Mm. Um, And when I say useless, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean that it's not something that may turn into something tangible to push the project forward. It may turn into something that causes doubt to slow down the project and and insecurities. So you have to figure out who you're speaking to that's going to help push you forward versus who's not push you back in like the horrible way, but meaning create a little bit of like blockage of insecurity in your head. Like, wow, she made a good point. Maybe I'm not ready because I didn't do this. And that's okay. But some of us don't have the personalities to really put certain information in the box that it should be and move forward. Some people really get down about certain things that people tell them, and it may stop them for a week, a month, right. and they can't move forward. Right. Whereas for me, for for instance, if you tell me certain things, I'm like, okay, I, see, I got it, no problem. I can pocket in a box and still move forward because that's my personality. But that's mm. not everybody else's personality. So you have to really also know yourself and know, okay, I'm talking to Lawrence about something, and I know that she's like a go, 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 go. She's going to give me so much information. I have to be ready for that because I don't, I don't like that. I don't like when I talk to her and she gives me so much information. It's right. too much for me. I want to talk to this person because they're going to give me just a little bit, and it's going to you know, be delivered in the way that I want it, and I'm going to move forward. So people really have to get better at knowing, um, I think, knowing themselves and really putting it out there like, no, no, this is me. Like, this this is me. I think sometimes we say we have to know ourselves, but we don't tell other people about ourselves. Mm. And so that when they hit us with something, we just, we... We, we take it, we process it, we let, us, we let it make us feel a certain way, but you don't let that person know that, you know, what, how they're delivering the message wasn't going to register with you. We know. We, right. we know these things by now, I would hope. <laughs> right. Well, girl, so, listen, we've been talking for <laughs> an hour and 40 minutes, but it's been an amazing conversation. I got so cool. many gems as you tell your story about your journey. Nice. I got there's a level of communication you have to uh, have to be a good entrepreneur. I got that you have yeah. to know your value and not be afraid yeah. to ask for it. Also, totally. got that you know um, you have to be somewhat disciplined. Um, well, yep. not somewhat. You have to be disciplined. Know when to not eat at this restaurant. Know when to <laughs> eat ramen and noodles. And also, before Absolutely. you get into anything, make sure you do your research by any means necessary there's you know today's yeah. technology there's a will and a way to figure out anything you want and you know in any yep. field so you know we and we didn't even touch on your other business which is 
um, Love Life, you know, LC. <laughs> I know. But I know. the fun stuff. The, the fun, fun stuff. stuff like but, <laughs> you know, that's going to be a part two. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I definitely feel like you give su- such a, an amazing um, wealth of knowledge while telling me your journey and sharing your journey. Cool. So uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up. You know, okay. I don't want to wrap it up, but I know. People have a short <laughs> attention span. It's been an hour and 40 minutes. I know. It's, it's too much. I know. Um, and I hopefully people. Yeah, will but listen. definitely when we get to speak, I can um, tell you again about um, some of the, the 50 countries and how that whole world happened. Um, so that's a, well, listen, that's a pretty cool, cool story. more <laughs> than enough for this, uh, for this episode. And we're going to be a part two. <laughs> um, <laughs> So thank you for sharing your journey. Um, Like I said, there's going to be so many gems in this conversation that when people listen to it, and it's also going to be inspirational as well. And I love it that you didn't have like an epiphany. It just happened and you just allowed it to happen and you had enough confidence in in yourself to like, you know what, I'm going to go with this. Like who, especially in the black community, you know that the dog industry was so lucrative. The dog walking industry is so lucrative. We didn't know that, you know? Yeah, there's so many cool, like right now I've been learning a lot about the tech world because I have so many black friends that are in the tech world Mm -hmm. and how the tech world, there's just so many little different pockets that you could get into and there's so many people just like financially doing really well from that Mm. that I'm like, what? What do you do? You design what? (laughs) Also, I also Uh, got don't ever judge a book by by its cover because some of the people Oh yeah, for sure. Some of the people that you think are doing well the people that you mm-hmm. really doing well, you don't even know who they are, and they don't even look at. No, 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 and and for all of us, not to judge the by cover, like people look at you, I mean, you look at my my page, and you're like, oh my god, she's like bathing suits and this and that, and you're like, what? And then when you have a real conversation with someone, you're like, oh, you do all kinds of stuff. Well, you just put this out there and put that out there. So I I don't really, I try really hard. And I, I don't actually I don't have to try hard because I've been doing it for so long. Like and I talk to so many people that I can speak to any human and not judge them until I hear the story and mm. see if it works for me. Um, because in my entrepreneur world, my some of the richest people that I was working with, their sneakers had holes in them. Right. <laughs> and right. they were sometimes like and that's what we have to, I was like, What? And that's what we gotta do as a culture. You know, yeah. identify true value in people, or mm-hmm. as opposed to perceptive perception. You know, value perception. Yeah. perception you know, so and mm-hmm. I, and that's why this conversation is so um, important, and I feel like it'll help others. So, thank you. All right, my dear. I'll talk to you soon. Be safe. <laughs> thank you for tuning into another great episode of Reverse Ambition Podcast. I hope you enjoyed part one and part two of Lawrence Kashmir entrepreneurial journey. She definitely dropped some gems and I hope you all caught them. Please stay tuned for another great episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you could be notified when I drop it. Remember, it's never too late to take a leap of faith to follow your dreams and passion. You can always leap back until next time. This is Kelsey Cooper.